Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're going to start with number 581, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Let's do that tonight and sing with all our hearts to the Lord's praise. You may be seated. We're singing well tonight to the Lord's praise, a good old-time hymn, one that causes us to realize again our stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our day, when the world is more increasingly antagonistic to the gospel and wanting to turn every Christian principle and biblical truth upside down, well, it's good to be able to fellowship with God's people and those who are of like precious faith, and be able to unite our hearts and join our hands and our voices in one in our stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow, please, before our God now in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight in the precious name of our Lord Jesus to bow in prayer and to come with thanksgiving in our hearts for the privilege to be in your house once more. And we know, Lord, that this is not something we should ever take for granted. 
We don't know what a day will bring. We do not know when our health will no longer allow us to be here in person. And so, Lord, we do rejoice tonight and give thanks from our hearts for your mercies to us. We are a blessed people. We are blessed more than we are able to articulate with human words. We have received the forgiveness of our sins. We know that it is well with our souls and that we are seated in Christ Jesus in heaven already. We are glorified, Lord, in your eyes because of all that Jesus has done for us and our possessions in Him. We're thankful for His own precious shed blood that He shed on Calvary's cross that we might be forgiven, washed, purified, cleansed. And we know that we are redeemed tonight, not with corruptible things of silver and gold, but of the precious blood of Jesus, our Redeemer. So, Lord, we have joy and we have hope and peace tonight, for we know that no matter what happens in this world, and no matter what the enemy will bring against us, we have absolute certainty, and we know our eternal home. And therefore, Lord, we pray tonight that we will be filled with gospel courage, and we will have the Spirit of God to empower us and help us to take our stand for the Master in this day. We will stand up for Jesus, no matter whether those around us are standing, no matter what enemies we might face, whether government or education, the forces in this world, Lord, help us to be faithful in our day. We do not know, Father, what will be required of us, but we know this, that with Christ in our life, with our Lord Jesus in the vessel with us, we are able to smile at whatever storm comes. And Lord, equip us, enable us to be faithful in our day. We ask, dear God, to bless every family gathered in, every member of our church community. We ask, Lord, for Your special blessing upon our families. Unite husbands and wives firmly in the gospel of Christ. Do not allow the devil to bring any form of division or wedge between husband and wife. We pray that children will have a deepening respect for parents, and they will walk in holy submission unto the Lord and desiring to honor mother and father. The first commandment, Lord, with a promise affixed to it, and you have promised your blessing upon children as they honor and respect and love their, their parents. Dear God, I pray that we will take the commands of Scripture carefully and seriously, and we would love more and more the Word of God because we love the Christ of God we know that our Savior has said, if you love me, 
you will keep my commandments. The commandments of our God, they are not burdensome to us. They are not heavy or weighty. They're not grievous. Lord, we want to rejoice more and more in the gracious obedience that You've given to us through the Spirit, that we might lift our Ebenezer, our thanksgiving, saying, Hitherto has the Lord blessed us. And as we take Your Word in our heart and want to live out each day to the honor of our Savior, that, Lord, You will enable us to do that by Your Spirit's power. We are not able ourselves for it. Dear Father, we say as Paul did, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Yet we are thankful that through the Spirit we are enabled, we are empowered, we are strengthened each day to live above the flesh, to die daily unto ourselves, that we will live under righteousness. Therefore, defeat the devil in our lives, we pray. Give us victory day by day as we want to be a living witness for the Master. Hear our prayer. Bless us, Lord, we ask. Remember those who need a, a healing touch, Lord. We pray that they would know very much the weight of the prayers of God's people for them. Remember Serene tonight. Pray for our brother Ron. Remember Steve Kelly. Remember, we pray our sister Grace Puccini tonight and also Sharon, the needs that they have with COVID. Lord, draw very near, and perhaps many others, we don't just have their specific need, but Lord, all of these needs are known by our God in heaven. And we just draw the umbrella of your blessing over everyone. Lord, there are some who are under spiritual attack and need, and those things are very weighty. And so we pray that you would encourage every single heart, and no one would be left outside. And those particular needs that maybe can't even be identified publicly, Lord, draw near and give victory and blessing and strength. So here are our prayers today. We think of the need of our province, our city, our, our nation, and in the election that's upon us now provincially, Lord, we pray that you would put in position and empower the right leaders, and Lord, restrain them, direct them, keep them. What we pray for provincially, we do so municipally for our city of Toronto and all these cities and regions around us and for our nation. Oh, God, help us, we pray. Pour out Your Spirit, Lord, upon Your people that we might know that gracious reviving, that the witness of Christ and the gospel message would go out with power and authority in our nation. Have mercy upon us, O God, we pray tonight, for we stand in great need. Hear our prayers. Draw near and bless us today. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy 
and precious name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise tonight. Number 593. Oh, for a faith that will endure, we'll stand as we sing. Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 118. Psalm 118, reading the first 17 verses. O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, because His mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that His mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that His mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that His mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress, the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compassed me about, 
Yea, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compassed me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire thorns. For in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song and is become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacle of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. We know He will bless His Word as we have read this tonight, and we will see how that this Scripture fits in with the message I want to bring you tonight as we continue our study in the book of Daniel. Word of welcome to everyone this evening in our evening service. We're happy that you're here in person and uh, viewing our service online. Very happy that we have four sisters with us tonight, sisters of our dear Mrs. Sushila, and uh, we certainly know Jasmine and uh, Vishnu very well in our congregation. Uh, Since they moved down to London, though, we haven't seen them for a long, long time, but you're very happy. Now, you're hanging your head down there, but you should look up now. Uh, We're very happy that you're with us tonight in the service, and also B, uh, we know you well. The other two sisters, we don't know them quite so well, but we're very happy that you're here in our service tonight. We welcome you in the Savior's name. We hope you're able to stay a bit longer, because tonight is the very first time for two years since we've been able to have a fellowship time after our evening service downstairs in the basement for some light refreshments, but a great time to have occasions. Maybe you heard about that, and that's why you're here tonight. No, I'm just pulling your leg. That's not the reason. We know you're here because you wanted to come and have fellowship with us in the gospel, and we're thankful for that. So please, everyone else, we are very welcome to stay behind tonight, and we hope you will do that and enjoy each other's fellowship downstairs for even a short time if you are able uh, to stay. Please remember some of the ministry going on this incoming week, and I want to remind you that last Wednesday we had a meeting, a missionary meeting, with Reverend John Kelly, who has just graduated from Geneva Reform Seminary. And when we think about the presentation that he made about his burden for New England, if you were not there Wednesday and you wanted to make an offering something toward that vision that our brother has, you could do that and mark your envelope simply, uh, Brother John Kelly, and we'll be sure it goes in that direction. Let's not forget to pray for the other two men who also graduated or are just in the final processes of that now, uh, Brother Frank DiDerno. Uh, he is the son of Reverend uh, Tony DiDerno from our Barry congregation, and our session uh, decided or at least invited him to become an intern with us for the next year, starting July the 1st. And we had to, first of all, put that to the Presbytery, and they have agreed, 
and approve that. So our brother Frank DiDerno and his wife Clarissa and their little son Franco, well, they'll be more and more a part of us in this next year, starting July the 1st. But our brother Frank will be traveling out to Cloverdale for some weeks in the summer to take services there and then becoming more involved here in our local church. So we're looking forward to that. I know he would greatly appreciate your prayers for him, for his wife and their family. And as the Lord uses this time of training as they're with us in the congregation. And then Brother Logan Elder, he is still in Greenville, South Carolina, but I appreciate much prayers for him as he is seeking the will of God for the future. Also, if you are burdened for helping some of the Ukraine refugees, we're able to direct some finances, gifts toward our Bala Money congregation in Northern Ireland, as they have taken some refugees on there, and also no contacts there as well. So you could just simply mark your envelope if you would like to make a donation to the Ukraine refugees. This afternoon we had in our church the memorial service for Mrs. Maslin Campbell. And uh, do remember, please, our sister Beverly and uh, the other family members and those who were here that heard the word today, and praying that God would speak to the hearts of those who are unsaved. And as their uh, reflections were given, uh, tributes uh, regarding Mrs. Campbell, well, we want to leave all of those matters before the Lord. Remember, please, the uh, meetings going on in this incoming week. Now, this morning, uh, you may have remembered in the service, we were asking the question about uh, how husbands should respond when their wives ask them, do you love me? And um, it seems that I omitted mentioning the Tuesday Bible study for the ladies. And so some might wonder, would that be a question that the dear wife would ask me? You never, you never announce my, the Bible study for women. How come? And that, well, there's no excuses. I can't make any excuses at all, although it, it was in the bulletin. So if you get the bulletin, you know that announcement. Anyways, ladies, this is the final Bible study for the season on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, and it will be on Zoom only. So if you would like to join up for that, you could speak to Brother Jonathan McAnally. He'll be sure you get the link for that for this coming Tuesday. Now, don't forget our weekly Bible study, prayer time, Wednesday night, 7.30. We want to continue our study in the book of Psalms, Psalm 63. And if you want to refresh your memory on the work of the memory verses, verses 1 to 5. And then we have our Lord's Day services at the regular time, or before that, Saturday night, the Connect group at 7 p.m., also on Zoom for our young adults. And uh, don't forget that meeting to be in prayer for that, and then our Lord's Day services. One advance announcement for July the 1st, that is Canada Day. We will be having a church family barbecue here on the property and that will be at 5 p.m., so 5 p.m. until dark, and we will have some fireworks also in the uh, field of the school, and that's an opportunity. You don't have to bring any food. All is being supplied for, so if you have a, other family members you would like to bring along, invite them, and uh, maybe a neighbor. 
who doesn't uh, come to the church, invite them along. We would love to welcome them. We'll have a, a sheet for you signed up to remember uh, to tell us how many will be coming. Mentioned on Wednesday night, we need help tomorrow night with four men who would be able to come and help us. As you can see, we're doing some repainting in the church, and we need some muscle to lift a few things around. And so we have three men who have agreed to come already. We need one more. If you're able to come uh, tomorrow night, that would be very good. One final thing, on June the 18th, there will be the Highland Creek Festival, and uh, Brother Kingsley Jew has a table at the back with a sign-up sheet. If you would like to come along and be a part of that outreach, we will have a table there giving out gospel tracts and Bibles, things for the children, and if you'd like to help, sign up on that sheet, and they'll put you on a schedule to, as to what time you could come on that day. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, number 261. He is able to deliver thee. Remain seated while we sing. for the final verse. seated. We have been praying for our sister B, knowing that you had not been doing too well, and uh, that was one of the reasons that there was a hope to have at least initial plan to have a memorial service for uh, our dear sister, Mrs. Sushila, but that just did not work out. And nonetheless, we're so happy that the uh, sisters could be here tonight and uh, just be a part of our evening service. So 
You'll know where we are, and you're welcome anytime you're able to join with us. Turn now in your Bibles with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, and to our gentlemen in the sound room, in the event of us having time at the end of the service, we might sing one more hymn, number 589. I'm not sure if I gave that to you before the service or not, but uh, we may sing that in closing, 589. Daniel chapter 3. Beginning at verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, hark, sapbuck, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hath made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. 
They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. But if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou has set up. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Father, as we have this Word open now, and we have read words familiar to many of us, yet I pray, Lord, tonight the Holy Spirit will make the necessary application to our hearts. Lord, we want to be discerning Christians. We want to be those who have spiritual ears tuned and listening to the Spirit's voice through the Scripture. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you will take and use me as your messenger to speak the message with clarity, that no one would misunderstand, that every ear and heart would be open, and that every distraction would be taken away. Lord, help. Hear my prayer, that every ear be attuned to the Word of God, myself, Lord, included. Bless us tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. A title for our study in the book of Daniel, as we continue on now, is Standing with Conviction. Standing with Conviction. 
The opening of chapter 3 introduces to us a very new ploy of Satan to expand his kingdom, his kingdom of idolatry, and ultimately to target faithful men of God. Let us never forget that everything that is going on in the world today and every opposing force against truth and righteousness is a purpose by the devil to undermine the work of God and to attack the Christian. There are many side issues that are happening today, but let us be very clear that of all those side issues that seem to be unrelated, they are ultimately related in the purpose that Satan has to destroy your faith, to undermine the work of God. And if we keep that in view, it will not shock us nor surprise us when we see these things going on from this front, from that angle, from this place over here, because they are all going to ultimately converge to undo, at least to attempt to undo, the work that God has. So in this case, with King Nebuchadnezzar, though it was not his direct motive, because oftentimes these kings are just puppets, they are just set up in one place and they're moved by forces that are going on behind the scenes. And so the king of Babylon was moved to set up an image of gold so that it would be worshipped by all. The size and the composition meant that it would be taken, it would have taken considerable time to build it, though we do not know exactly how many years, from the end of chapter 2 to the start of chapter 3, some commentators judge about 15 years had transpired. Whether this image was of solid gold or was it made of some other material as a framework and then overlaid with gold, well, we do not exactly know. Another wondering or thought is this image that Nebuchadnezzar made, was it an image of himself, somewhat related to the dream and the vision that he saw that finally was interpreted by Daniel and his three friends? Or was it an image made to his patron god of Babylon, Bel Merodach? Again, we cannot be fully certain. But the purpose of the making of the image was that the whole nation, everyone, would be brought together to bow down before it. Its size, 60 cubits high by 6 cubits wide, would mean 90 feet tall by 9 feet wide, rather out of proportion if it was the image of a man, unless it was set up on a very large pedestal, and the size given to us here in the Scripture is the size of the entire image, pedestal and image included, which would bring it more into the correct proportion of a man, if indeed that's what it was. So the composition of gold was a most precious metal. 
And it speaks well of the wealth of the empire of Babylon and of the wealth of Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest monarch of the world at that time. And if you could imagine this large image set up in the plain of Dura, uh, just outside the city of Babylon, its opulence would make all eyes dazzle as the sun would reflect upon that gold. You could almost hardly look at it. It would be something of great splendor. And, of course, the dedication of this image, there was a set time. There was a set day when this dedication was going to take place. And you can be sure that a lot of arranging, a lot of detail went into that particular time, including all those who were assigned to play the instruments and the music. The command to worship the image, all were included and none were left out. All princes, all the governors, all the officials, they were attending. And when the music sounded, all were to fall down and worship. We noted last Lord's Day evening of the power that music has and the influence it can have over the mind, the heart. It has the ability to manipulate moods. It has the ability to affect attitudes. And so much so that those who have studied it use it very, very carefully to affect buying moods of people when they are in stores or calming moods in crowds and to stir up the army for the time of battle. It's not a mistake that this tool was used in that day to bring people to the point where they are notified, they are drawn toward this image, and they are drawn out to worship the power of music. This past week I watched a documentary and it was on the subject of the mega church Hillsong. It was a church that started in Australia and it has developed into over many cities in the world, including the Breakthrough Church in the United States in New York. In this documentary, as current and former members of the New York church and of the Australian church, they were interviewed, and many of them testified that the music was the main drawing feature to the services. They said it was like stepping into a rock concert. Hillsong, they said, produced music that people wanted. 
It was the main drawing factor, some said, to get the people in. But as is often the case with mega-church movements, there is much more behind the scenes that meets the eye. Scandal after scandal, finally leading to the rock star preacher by the name of Carl Lentz of New York being fired for adultery, and also Brian Houston, who is the, was the founder of the church in Australia, resigned in March of 2022 after internal investigations found he had engaged in inappropriate conduct of serious concern with two women. We don't know all the ins and outs about these things, but when we consider the power of music, we must be careful about the worship music that we are thinking of and using in our service to the Lord. We do not know what the genre of music was in Babylon as all those instrumentalists played, but we know this, that the outcome of that music was not the glory of God. And therefore, we be very careful about the type of music that we want to use or that we are entertained by. We must be aware of the war against the Bible and all that God calls good. We need to know that this world and all of its systems is no friend to believers. And ultimately, the worship of anything other than the true and living God is forbidden by the Lord Himself. Now, in Nebuchadnezzar's day, for those who were there at that time, the penalty for non-compliance was death by burning. There wasn't a negotiation to see what your opinion happens to be. It was if you're not going to bow down, there's only one answer for you, and you're going to be burned in the fire. You are going to be put to death. And when those, I will call them, hypnotic tones of the all types of music sounded, all the people bowed down, and they worshipped, at least almost all. Three men remained standing. And as such, they stood out like sore thumbs because they were more prominent even than Nebuchadnezzar's image itself. Why? Because these three Jewish slaves who had been promoted, they were not now somewhere in the backdrop. They were the ones who, because of their office, would have been right in the forefront. And when they determined they were not going to bow down, something had to be done about it. 
It could not have been allowed just to be bypassed. And so the king was very quickly informed about these certain Jews who had been set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, and they have not regarded thee, was the report. And nor have they served your gods, nor have they worshipped your golden image. What were they charged with? No respect, no reverence, and no submission. And I will tell you, my dear friends, those three charges will be brought against you, will be brought against me in our world, in our time, for non-compliance to the political correctness of our age. Be prepared for it, and don't be surprised when it comes about. No respect, no reverence, and no submission. Tonight, as we consider this personal interview that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had with the king, there are some stirring lessons for us that we can learn about what it means to stand with conviction in the face of the pressure to conform to this age. First thing, simply, is the pressure upon them to conform. We find that from verses 13 to 15 primarily. Of course, the, the whole issue about them not standing, or not bowing down, rather, and being um, presented by those who were not happy about it, number of reasons why others would not be happy. Obviously, these were Jewish slaves. They were not Babylonians. They were placed in a very high position in Babylon, and that had gone, gone back to the fact that Daniel and his three friends had given the interpretation of the dream and the dream itself, and so Nebuchadnezzar was overwhelmed, and it makes sense. It would have been a period of time, maybe 15 years earlier, because now Nebuchadnezzar has forgotten all about that, and he went to build this great image for the purpose, well, of the glorification of himself ultimately. There is little doubt that these three men knew, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that their action of refusal to bow would not go unnoticed. How could it? They were the heads of state and very likely in a prominent place. You know, it's one thing to take a stand for the Lord when we are small and of little consequence, but it's quite another thing when all eyes are watching. It's not so easy then. You know why? Because the fear of man brings a snare. And none of us like to be on the outside of it. Let's be honest. We all like to be liked. We don't want to be singled out. But there comes a time in our Christian lives when we are going to have to be singled out. And these men, this was one time in their life. Think of a, sil a very simple illustration. Maybe you're in a restaurant and it's one thing to 
before you eat your meal to bow your head and close your eyes when you're at the back of the restaurant in a booth where pretty well nobody can see you, as opposed to being at the head table of something and you're at a place where there's all ungodly people and you're going to pause and give thanks for your food, your meal, because you love the Lord and you want to honor Him in that way. I don't know. We are not told who it was that came to get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Was it the captain of the guard, some mighty men, soldiers? But in escorting the three of them to the king, you could almost hear what was going on, even if they were giving them some gentle or friendly advice. Now look, you got another. You have an opportunity here, because Nebuchadnezzar. It's unlike him to do this. He would normally find anyone who had opposed his ruling, put them in the fire. I don't even want to talk to them. And you might find something a little bit interesting that in the rage and fury that Nebuchadnezzar had against them, I, I wonder if when he saw them, he recognized who they were. Because we were told in verse 15, after he was in a rage and a fury and he brought them in front of him, it says, now, he said, as he spake to them in verse 14, sorry, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them. It, it almost sounds that all of a sudden he has changed from his rage and fury. He sees who's in front of him and now he's going to speak to them. He's going to communicate, oh, oh, oh it's not you not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You, you, you've been exalted. I know you, you men are. They were pushed by the king to reconsider their position. And in verse 15, it, it tells us exactly what happened. It's a little unusual they were given this second chance. But he says, Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the music, you fall down and you worship the image which I have made well. Here was an opportunity for these men to reconsider their unpopular position to reconsider their unreasonable position, to reconsider their ultimately foolish decision? How could you dare stand against the king of Babylon? How could you dare stand against Nebuchadnezzar, the mightiest tyrant and monarch that has lived? And who do you guys think you are? Three Jewish slaves? You could have, you could have lost your life a long time ago. You could still be down at the bottom serving and washing dishes, but you've been exalted to a high place. Think about all that you're going to lose, not just your position, not just the wealth, not just your reputation, but your life is on the line. And the pressure that was upon them to reconsider, they were given a second chance. Even this small detail of the king presenting that question to them, it's part of 
an evidence of the heart of the king being in the hand of the Lord. For he allowed this to take place, that there would be a public testimony given by these men. And so the king says to them, Is it true? Look in verse 15. Is it true? Sorry, that's verse 14. Is it true that you do not serve my gods nor worship my image? The word true here is the word purpose. So Nebuchadnezzar is saying to them, Is it on purpose that you are not worshiping, or is it an oversight? Is it a possibility, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that this is some misunderstanding? Because if so, well, you have an opportunity now. Put it all right, and let's get back to the party. Let's move on. If you be ready, if you reconsider, if you think about all that's at stake, And you can still have your convictions. You can still have the worship of your God. All you have to do is just do a little little bow down quickly. It doesn't have to be something long. Just, Just do it, and then you can get back to what you're doing. That type of pressure, those coercive tactics... The devil is always bringing them to the forefront. And it's not easy to stand against that, friend, when you're facing very powerful people in very high places. And sadly, too many believers have bowed under such pressure. But some have not. Many of you will know the account of Eric Little, Liddell. He was an Olympic runner in 1924 Olympics in Paris. He was running for his country, Britain. But he refused to run in the qualifying heats for the 100-meter race because it was on the Lord's Day. And he was a devout Christian brought up in Scotland. The 100-meter race was his race. And if you know anything about the training of these types of races, people have gone through rigorous training to qualify and to prepare themselves for one specific type of race, whether it's the 100-meter or the 200 or the 400 or the 800 and so on. And they have spent their time preparing, and that was his race, the 100-meter, and he was favored to win that race. He was under immense pressure, immense pressure from the the British Olympic team and the oversight, under pressure from Edward, the Prince of Wales. They brought him in, and they put that heat on him. It's for your country. It's for the honor of your land and your nation. And if you just did this once, then you could run your race that wouldn't be on Sunday anyways. But Eric Liddell refused to compromise his standards. Now, it wasn't a life-and-death thing for him. 
but it was a very important point in his career as an Olympian with the potential of winning the gold medal in that Olympics. And so he did not run in that race. But instead, he ran and prepared for the 400-meter race. And everyone was sure he would be he would be a wash. He wouldn't make it. They would just make a monkey out of him. But Eric Liddell ran that race, and he won the gold of the 400 meter that day. He had honored the Lord in this simple situation here, and the Lord blessed him. Eric Liddell, after that, returned to China, where he had been born of missionary parents, and he served the Lord as a missionary there in China until the day he died in a Japanese prisoner of war camp in World War II. And the story of his life is a fascinating account of a man who had given his life for the work of the Lord and how many were won to Christ through his ministry and through his witness. There are times, friends, in our lives where we are going to face immense pressures to conform, to capitulate, to give in, What will it be? I would say to us all now that in the moment of our calmness, in the moment of our, when there's no pressure on us immediately, let us determine before God now. Young people, I say this to you, determine now in your heart you will not defile yourself with the king's food. You will not give in because as these men did that in earlier years, Now the real test was coming. The real test of life and death. And by God's grace, they they stood. The personal threat that was on them, it intensified. Nebuchadnezzar said in verse 15, Ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Their faith was challenged that day. Because Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? They were pressured. Personal threat against them. Their their faith was challenged. And in Nebuchadnezzar's swollen pride, he thought, There is no God that can deliver you out of my decree and my purpose now. Who is he? Where is he? This, my dear friends, is a repeated attack of Satan against the church and against Christians. He questions not only the power of God to deliver us, but he questions the very reality of God himself in your life. Has he done that to you recently? Has the devil been pounding at your door, challenging you about God's power to deliver you from some temptation, to deliver you from some test that's brought against you? And maybe the devil is saying this also, this God in whom you think you trust in, young person, 
He is not even a God at all. There is no such thing. And that very question has come into your heart. How will you do? You must prepare yourself in the day of peace, in the day of calmness. Don't leave it until the day of challenge. Let us not be caught off guard, for such ploys are used against us by the devil. I want you to notice, secondly, tonight, and I only have two points, so rest at ease. The answer of faith that they gave, the answer of faith. We find this from verses 16 to 18 in our chapter. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee on this matter. And you know, the first thing that comes to me here is that they were respectful before this monarch. There is a a sad thing that sometimes happens in Christians' lives is that we can become somewhat arrogant or somewhat rude in our defenses of our faith against those who are unbelievers. And that should not be. We must always be aware that we are the ambassadors of Christ. We are the ones who are called to be lights to shine in a dark place. And even in the very fieriest time of our trial, there must be a true spirit of respect that is shown. And this respect was given to the king when they said, we are not careful to answer thee. Commentators have given some various interpretations of that phrase. We are not careful. Our translators have given it to us this way. We are not filled with care, they were saying. And it wasn't any way disrespectful, but it was an expression of how they were presenting themselves before the king. We, we are not coming to show you disrespect. We are not coming filled with argumentations about this whole matter. We are simply humbly sharing with you the reason why that we cannot do this. They were respectful in what they were presenting. And it will often take much grace, friends, that we will need the the help of the Lord not to lose it sometimes, uh, lose our temper, lose our cool in those circumstances and situations, but to be respectful of the authorities that are placed there by the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar was. We learned from the previous chapters that God had set him up as being the king of kings, the greatest tyrant or emperor that had lived at that time. But we learned something else about their answer of faith. They were resigned in their faith. Look in verse 17. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. If 
it be so. According as the king had said, so it is that whoever does not comply or bow down is decreed to be killed. They were stating the obvious. They were saying to the king, yes, we understand very clearly the dictate that you have made. If this be so, it is true that if you don't bow down, we will be thrown into the fiery furnace. We know this. And we have made our decision based on the knowledge that's in front of us. We were not caught off guard. We were not duped into this. This was no mistake. They were being very clear as they spoke their words before the king. They were saying, we know. We are acting out of knowledge. And my dear friends, true faith always acts out of knowledge. True faith is not something that we have by impulse. It's not something of a knee-jerk reaction. But your faith will be exercised and energized by your mind and your heart. You know what you're doing. You're not duped or deceived. You're acting in faith. You're acting by faith. You're acting with faith. And they said, we know the God whom we serve. And that is the greatest attestation that they could have given about knowing why they were doing what they were doing. The God whom we serve. They said, our God is able to save us from the furnace. Now, we sang that hymn tonight, didn't we? He is able to deliver us. And I chose that hymn because of these very words. In fact, I'm pretty sure that the hymn writer would have taken his hymn from the theme of these words right here. Our God is able to deliver us. We are resting in God's sovereign purpose. We worship the Lord, the Creator of heaven and earth. He is the one who has enlightened our mind, given us faith. We are the ones that have been brought here by His providential leading. We are in Babylon now. We are in this place. God has allowed this to be the case. We are now going to rest in His sovereign purpose. These were men of faith. These were men who lived by what they said they believed. They were resolved through faith. They were respectful. They were resigned by faith. They were resolved through faith. This comes to us in verse 18. But if not... But if God will not deliver us from death, but if God purposes that we honor Him by going to our death, that is what we are resting in. We are giving ourselves, we, we are resolved 
that we are walking in His will and that we will not be serving your gods. My friends, in this we have a clarity of conviction that is nothing less than staggering, a clarity of conviction that these men were prepared to say this in front of the one whom they were standing in front of is nothing less than shocking. Do you have clarity tonight in your conviction? Do you know what you believe? And are you prepared to stand on that belief? And are you prepared to declare that with absolute crystal clarity? If that is your conviction, then that is how you will stand. But they also demonstrated courage of conviction. because they had already resigned themselves to the fire. Their lives were already gone in their mind. I, I don't see anything in the text here that indicates that they had received some vision from God that He was going to deliver them from the fire. As a matter of fact, it's very clear that they're saying, but if not... If God does not give us this great deliverance from the fire, we are not bowing down to your, your God. Our convictions are firm. Our faith is real. And we are convinced and resolved in it. Ah, but are you not shocked to some degree? I know that I am by the calmness of their conviction. They had clarity. They had courage but they were just speaking very peacefully. They, they were speaking very honestly and openly to this king. The conclusion tonight for us is whatever, my dear brothers and sisters, whatever the outcome in our lives, determine now that we will not bow down such was the active faith of these three young men. There was no hesitation. There was no negotiation. Simply the declaration that they were unmovable from their position. Is this the type of people that we are? Is this the faith that we have in a God that we belong to tonight? I pray that the Lord will enable us. He will give us His Spirit's strength because we cannot do it on our own. We know that. We can only do this by the Spirit's enablement and the grace that He gives us in the time of our testing. And so now, let us pray, God, prepare us, for I have no confidence in my flesh. I can't stand because I'm a strong person mentally or any other way. I have no power, Lord. When it comes to the test, I will crumble unless I am held up by the living and the true God. 
And they were given that gift. And they were enabled to stand by His grace. And the Lord will strengthen you. I don't know what situation you're in tonight, friend, but I know this, that whatever it is, God is able. He's more than able for it. And He will uh, deliver you in the time of your need. Let's sing this hymn that we were going to sing before in closing. 589, Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on. Let's stand, please, as we sing. hear our prayer tonight. We offer humbly in Jesus' name, not in any strength we have of self, but in our weakness. Let us prove the sufficiency of Your grace to us. Strengthen us, Lord, for the day of challenge and battle that is in front. Help us to be a light to shine Help us, we pray, Lord, to be salt, to savor, and bless us in our witness for our Lord Jesus Christ, for His honor, for His kingdom. So bless us now tonight, and as we go downstairs, Lord, for a time of fellowship, be with us, receive our thanks for the things provided, and bless our fellowship. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.